Attention. Attention. Stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Oh, my God! They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. Um, by the way, 773-763-9278 is our number. There's a lot of uh, news going on as well um, in general, um, and not all of it is bad, for the, you know, for the record. In talking to everybody about... You know, how Alex Jones and others use fear as the primary motivator for their, um, for why, the, you know, people watch their shows and watch their programs. In that Alex Jones wants you to think the end of the world is always nigh, and, um, and Joe Rogan is always going to have on the people that you're afraid, you know, when they say something, they will motivate someone to do something awful. That's usually yeah. the, oh my God, if that person comes on and is allowed to say everything, they're going to convince some people, and of the people they convince, Someone is going to, you know, take up arms or act on that thing. And that's and he always that's how he drives audience. One out of five people that are guests on Rogan's show will fit that bill. And the rest are like comics and other people that stoners like to listen to talk. So it's like four days of Simpsons, one day of Alex Jones. That's how that's the recipe for Joe Rogan's success. In case you ever want to replicate it. I don't recommend it. Okay. Um, and he also gets the UFC crowd uh, will automatically listen to him. And you've got you, you mix that level of like prurient violence mixed with uh, fear of the end of the world. And the and the, there's a matrix of control going on and that kind of paranoia that comes with, quite frankly, a percentage of people who smoke weed for all the people who are like. Weed helps. Great. Good for you. I don't use it. I never will. I don't do any drugs. I'm not going to. I have no interest. Um, you do you, boo. But this idea that it's totally harmless is absurd. And a portion of people are made paranoid by their usage of it. And it is directly reflected in the Joe Rogan crowd. Because that's those are the folks who will find their way to that kind of programming. If you're the kind, if there's that overlap. And by the way, I used to, you know, my, my standard belief for a long time was that um, legalizing or, or at least decriminalizing pot would lower some of the paranoia reflex because it might just heighten your awareness and you're aware that you're doing something illegal and therefore you might be paranoid rightly so because it's heightened your awareness temporarily you're you're overly aware of every sign and you know around you and yet in the back of your mind you know you're doing something you could get arrested for so you tie those two things together voila paranoia it makes total sense but over the course of you know Watching, you know, who kind of cleaves to the bosom of Joe Rogan, you're going to find a lot of that overlap. That of the percentage of people who are who experience mild or extreme paranoia from pot usage, a big portion of them are going to end up as Joe Rogan listeners. You know what I'm saying? Like they, mm-hmm. there's a there's a corralling effect. The rest of them aren't. The, the the people who smoke it and relax, or you know, find that it has some function as an ADD drug, like our dear beloved friend Doug Pinnock from Kings X, who had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Doug! We love you. Um, uh, you know, who find it that way and don't end up experiencing that paranoia? Great. But the ones that do are going to find their way to Alex Jones and Joe Rogan. So, um, I uh, unfortunately. Because of my uh, ethics, morality, and personality, and my and my choice of style of comedy, um, 
can't do that. I can't just scare the crap out of you. As a matter of fact, I believe that fear is, uh, is akin to a paralysis on some level. And eventually, you know, if you become too afraid all the time, you're useless. What if you're the person who has the great idea to solve one of these social problems, but because you've been inundated with the news that it's awful, it's so awful, it's insurmountable, there is no solution, there is no cure, it's just over, we're just in trouble and we're never going to get past it on every level. Climate change, uh, how to, you know, solving the problem of gravity and friction, I don't know what it is, but being told over and over and over that it's impossible may negatively affect some people over time. And it might mm-hmm. negatively affect, historically, the people who might have come up with a solution if they had been told that there's still a possibility, right? So my goal has always been anti-paralysis. Let off the pressure a little bit. Let's laugh about this, you know, this reality while still taking it seriously. And well, that's so because that you of your, have, it's the namesake of your aunt's paralysis. My what? Your anti-paralysis from Kentucky? Yeah, she's, uh, well, it's funny. She's the most active aunt I have, ironically enough. <laughs> it's so weird. It is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I really shoehorned that in. I, you that did. Was it, not was a, the, it was a valiant effort. It, you swung for the fences, and I appreciate it. I can still hear the the, the wiffle ball bat whiffing. Um, oh, man, oh, man. But, but I'll give you an example. Um, this is from uh, Raw Story, but this is directly from the CDC. Study suggests Delta does not cause more severe childhood COVID. Um, U.S. pediatric COVID hospitalizations have surged since Delta became predominant, but a new study that offers a first look at the relevant data suggests that fears that the variant causes more severe disease are unfounded. The paper by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention also found that between June 20th and July 31st, unvaccinated adolescents were more than 10 times more likely to be hospitalized than those who were vaccinated. So when you're talking about 12 to 24-year-olds, unvaccinated ones are the ones that are getting in there. And so the national statistic is driving everybody to think, and the number of those folks who are have comorbidities, live in areas where the diet is really poor, uh, there's, there's uh, like white poverty in mass, which also leads to other outcomes that nobody seems to want to address largely in these communities. And I grew up around them. We're talking about Mountain Dew and baby bottles. We're talking about kids with their teeth rotting while they're still in their gums, where their, their, their grown teeth come through their gums rotten in Appalachia and the Tennessee Valley and all these areas where you're seeing these spikes in, in Florabama, in the northern parts of Florida, and, and in, the, you know, in the Midwestern plain states in these really rural towns. Um, And so you look at the numbers statistically for the country and you're like, oh, my God, the spike. But it is very acute to largely unvaccinated people who are in poor health as well. So um, the uh, the health agency analyzed hospital records from across an area covering around 10 percent of the U.S. population between March 1st and August 14th of this year. Or sorry, March 4th of 2020 and August 14th of this year. This covered the period before the emergence of Delta, the most contagious strain to date, and after it became dominant from June 20 onwards. Weekly hospitalizations of children 0 to 17 were at their lowest between June 12th and July 3rd at 0.3% per 100,000, before rising to 1.4 per 100,000 in the week ending August 14th, a 4.7-fold increase, hence the the clamoring and fear you've seen in the news about the increase in, in adolescents being uh, put, you know, in for 
for, you know, going into the hospital for COVID, right? Yeah. All directly related to red state, unvaccinated, anti-mask people, and especially, you know, like uh, catch the disease parties that they throw with the idea that if your kids are going to be safe, so just get it, have it, and they'll, they'll, their natural antibodies will fight back against it. So they're having like, like chicken pox parties, basically, but with COVID. So, which is not a good idea for the record. Um, consistent uh, with prior research, children 12 to 17 and 0 to 4 are at a higher risk, or, uh, risk of COVID hospitalization than children ages 5 to 11. This is basically before your immune system has a chance to come online and, and be really functional and after it's experienced enough infections to maybe overreact and cause lung damage. So that there's a window of 5 to 11 where kids are kind of in the sweet spot uh, with this thing. After examining 3,116 hospital records from the period before Delta and comparing them to 164 records during the Delta period, the percentage of children with severe indicators was found not to differ greatly. Specifically, the percentage of hospitalized patients admitted to intensive care was 26.5% pre-Delta and 23.2% post. Part of that has to do with nationwide numbers and vaccinations in, in the broader cases. But as far as people who contracted it, children who contracted it, and the percentage that ended up needing hospitalization, it was actually lower after Delta had emerged. Uh, the percentage placed on ventilators was 6.1% pre-Delta and 9.8% post, and the percentage who died was 0.7% pre-Delta and 1.8% uh, post. And that has largely to do with where it was hitting not that it was more damaging. That the, the kids being affected are these kids in impoverished areas with anti-mask and anti-vax reflexes. And the, and the numbers don't belie that this disease is hitting children harder, but that more children are being hit by it because of the attitude in the states it is now attacking, and that the people who are around those kids are taking less precautions, and that's raising the number. But insofar as the the one to one in kids, it is not hitting children. You know, a child that before Delta would have gotten sick and hospitalized um, would have more than likely gotten sick and hospitalized with Delta. It's almost one to one. So. The finding comes with an important caveat that because the number of hospitalizations in the post-Delta period is small, thanks to vaccines, by the way, more data will need to accrue for scientists to gain greater confidence about the conclusion. The study also underscored vaccine effectiveness against pediatric COVID hospitalization during Delta. Between June 20th and July 31st, among 68 adolescents hospitalized with COVID-19, whose vaccine status was known, 59 of the 68 were unvaccinated. Five were partially vaccinated, meaning they'd had their first dose or their second dose, and the two-week period after the second dose hadn't happened yet. And four were fully vaccinated. This meant that the unvaccinated were 10 times more likely to be hospitalized compared to vaccinated. 10 times more likely. And still the number is low, by the way. Uh, the problem is people just don't know if their kid has uh, a comorbidity. You don't know if it's, you know, if a, if a peanut allergy or those kind of things would affect it, whether obesity is enough to get somebody in trouble with this, or they may have asthma or some secondary disease that they're Did dealing with. Did I mention with. to you that a friend of mine is literally in medical journals because of her reaction to COVID? 
No. She had a really bad um, case. Hold, hold, hold. We're going to take a break, and I want you to tell us after the break. This is really interesting, and it's a good lead-off to the final part of this story. It will tie nicely in there. I feel like we could do a real good tease to keep the viewers with us and the listeners with us. Like real radio. Stick around. Yeah, stick around. Real life. Right after this. It's the Housemark Radio Program Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Press Talk. Now on my Instagram channel as well, at Sparks. Follow me on Instagram. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Wow. The House Parks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. Yeah, wow. it's going to be good. Wow. 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 What? Who is that? Is that Alex Jones? No, that's Mike Lindell. Oh, man. Mike oh, I Lindell forgot about saying, that. Saying wow multiple times. Wow. 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 During his own stuff. Like, he says wow so much, it's it became a running gag. What? <laughs> Five eggs. All right. So, um, but, uh, you know, the important thing is that uh, we don't give um, free health care for illegal. Ill- 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 all right. So, that is um, crucial. All right. So you were telling us about your friend who's actually in the journal, uh, you know, in, in the literature. She's going to be COVID. in medical journals if she's not already. Um, she got COVID before she was able to be vaccinated. And as she got better, it manifested in some serious open sores on on her arms and legs and like her neck, and wow. um, and when she was finally able to get um, the the doctor put her on the short list for the vaccine when mm-hmm. still not many people had it, and the first dose of the vaccine did great, and I really helped with the sores, and then. She was wiped out after the second dose, like a lot of us were, but it didn't like manifest again. So, right. so all of that went down. Her sores went away, and now um, there are more people back in her office, and there are a lot of people. She's in um, South Carolina, and there are a lot of people not wearing masks and not taking things seriously. Right. She's been exposed to COVID again. She got tested. She knows that she doesn't have it, but she's got the sores back. Mm. And the she and her doctor determined that um, she and when she got chickenpox as like I think either um, an early teen or like nine ten eleven in there she got it kind of late it hit her super hard she had chickenpox right. everywhere right. and so her body she's predisposed hates her body. to yeah she her she's predisposed to having skin. Uh, like, like her skin shows when she's infected. Yeah, right. And, with, and so but specifically saying, with a virus, like what, if she gets sick with um, some sort of bacteria, it's not the same reaction. But this this COVID virus, it's it's tickling the same thing in her nervous system, and it's causing these these sores. And well, um, I, 
I'm, what type I have no of doubt stores? That they're they're kind of like – it's not shingles. That was the first thing I was going to say. They're like – they look like um, – initially, they're like an angry red rash, and then it turns into um, – they just kind of get more and more raw, and then they, then they open up a bit. Hmm. Well, having had shingles – Same here. Point, yeah, um, it's no fun. And the example I try to give everybody when it comes to COVID and why a vaccine, you know, might be necessary or a variation of it in the future, too, is that shingles is a direct result of chickenpox when you have it, you know, and it's way worse. It's horrible. And um, imagine this is the way I try to explain it to people is imagine that COVID is the chickenpox and when you're older, there's a shingles version of it that shows up in your lungs, um, which would be horrifying, right? And, and basically, that's yeah. what that's what's happening in your lungs with COVID anyways. It's sort of like shingles. It's this overreaction to your immune system. It's freaking out. It's puffing up the, the, the vessels themselves. There's like what they call ground glass looking lungs. They, yeah. You can't process oxygen. People are breathing as deep as they can, but their lungs are only producing a certain amount. And it's the top of their lungs, which is where your quick, dirty exchange of oxygen happens. If anybody knows about like like you you run marathons and the like there's a element of the the your lower lungs are way better and more full of uh you know the the cells that need that help the oxygen exchange whereas the top is quick and dirty there's more mm-hmm. uh, other elements that get into your bloodstream if you're just breathing in the top of your lungs but in a panic you breathe shallow in the top of your lungs like Alex Jones does all the time so therefore, you get in a panic mood. That's why meditation, where you breathe into your belly, they always say like a, um, a uh, I forget what the, the saying was like a, a master breathes into his belly, a sage breathes into his heels. The idea is that mm. the deeper you pull your breath into your body, the more the more true oxygen you get because your lower lungs are much better at pulling that out, right? There's the stages of the lungs. And the top is for emergencies and the bottom's for comfort and depth and whatever. That's why babies breathe, their bellies go in and out. You can see their bellies moving really big. A lot of people get all tense in their upper chest. And if people, by the way, this is a good reminder that if you are uh, on social media all the time and you're texting away, watch your posture because... I believe that the negative aspects of social media are directly related to how people breathe while they're using it. Because if you mm. look at how most people do it, they are hunched over, they are squeezing the bottom of their lungs, their diaphragm is compressed, they are bent over on their belly, right? And they're only use and their shoulders are hunched forward, they are only using the uh, the top of their lungs. Um, Johnny Dezen that thing says, I do Wim Hof every day. Wim Hof is a deep breathing exercise. It's a dude who swims in ice water and that kind of stuff. It's very cool stuff. I love that stuff. It's fascinating. But think about how people, if, you're, if, you're, if you find yourself in a panic on social media, do me a favor. Just remember this that, that, that Hal Sparks told you. Sit up straight. Breathe into your belly. Relax for a second. Because perhaps, perhaps... Perhaps you're having the absolute right reaction to what you're reading and responding to. Right. But also, perhaps you are choked off from oxygen and you are responding as if you are being suffocated. And and you are overreacting to what you're reading and uh, overall because of that. 
that you are not you looking at this message online and interpreting it with all of you present. You are you deprived of about 60% of the oxygen you would need. And since your brain uses most of the oxygen you take in, you're not... You, you're not firing on all cylinders if you're all hunched over with your belly all scrunched. And it sounds collapsing. silly, but breathing is underrated. It absolutely because, is. Because, you, like I've seen in the comments, there's no scarier feeling than realizing that you can't breathe when you need yes. to. That's and, right. and, when and, you, and the fear when reflex you pause, in it is natural. It is absolutely it is a natural yeah. trigger. If you can't breathe, you should panic. But the yep, problem yeah, is your body doesn't is know. In on purpose. Your body doesn't know A to B, B to A logic. If you're panicking because you can't breathe, if you can't breathe, then you're panicking. Like there, there, it, it doesn't it doesn't understand that. Oh, I'm panicking because I'm not breathing, not because I can't breathe. I can breathe if I sit up straight, but I'm but right. I'm depleting myself of oxygen, and my brain is is reacting to things as if I'm being choked. Essentially, and just that okay. moment of mindfulness that, that Hal is talking about, where like if you pause and go, "Am it I breathing okay?" Everything. You realize that you're not, and you take a few deep breaths, and you immediately feel better. Yes, right. That's why people say like when you're angry, because all anger is based on yeah. fear as well. I will I will unequivocally say that because all anger is based on the potential for loss. Why are you mad? Why are you ever mad? If you if you afraid. have one car and it's the only way you get to work, and somebody wrecks it, you're going to be mad. If you have 30 cars, do you even care? No, because did one of your cars get wrecked? Yeah, absolutely. But what's the loss? You can still get to work. You can still drive a car. You still got multiple cars. You can, I'll drive this one until that one's fixed, right? Notice how you relax on that one because it's not crucial? Because it's the fear of loss that makes you angry. Someone taking something away from you. And, if, and, and, and that's... That affects everything you do, whether it's real or perceived, right? Perceived loss is as strong as actual loss, especially when it comes to social media. So, And that's where a lot of anxiety and fear comes from. It feeds into it. And, and while people have real anxiety and real clinical anxiety that they have to deal with, a vast majority of the people who are talking about how anxious they are or upset has a lot to do with how they're breathing or not breathing, rather, when they're using social media and they're sitting on their couch all bent over, squished, collapsing their lungs. Sit up straight, breathe deep, use all of yourself, and then when you respond online to whatever you're trying to deal with, all of yourself is present. You have all of the tools in your mental toolbox instead of just the three that says scream, right? Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is turn into Alex Jones, and that's exactly what Alex Jones does. Alex Jones is obese. Alex Jones's belly presses on his insides all the time because that's what obesity also does to your anxiety. It presses on your gut. It collapses your diaphragm. It, it makes it harder for you to breathe into your belly. And then when he sits the way he sits, look at how he sits. He leans over a microphone. He he collapses his chest. He's on stimulants. That doubles it. No wonder he reacts to everything this way. You are looking at a crazy man making himself crazier. Mm -hmm. Now, when we come back, I want to finish with what I was saying about the COVID uh, report that just came out from the CDC. Yes, please. Breathe deep because I want you to be able to incorporate this into your thought where you can also you can recognize that you don't have to live in absolute fear. But you can also recognize that the reason you don't have to live in absolute fear is because you're taking every normal precaution and you are living healthfully. Both should go hand in hand. You've done what you can do. Right. 
Yeah, we'll talk about the Moo variant. Care people. <laughs> Overhead shot, please. You know what this is? This is ivermectin for humans. You want to... I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. Hal Sparks Radio Program, the Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! Wow. E2X a day. So some people were asking about the Moo variant, but we will get to that in just one second. Um, in terms of uh, connecting the, the dots on the last, um, on the story I was reading from the CDC, about COVID-19, specifically the Delta variant, and it's uh, whether or not it was more dangerous for kids than the Alpha variant or the wild type or any of those things. COVID-related pediatric emergency department visits and hospitalizations were 3.4 times higher and 3.7 times higher, respectively, in states that fell in the bottom quarantile of overall vaccinated per capita compared to states in the highest quarantile. So you're 10 times more likely to end up in the hospital as an adolescent with COVID if you're unvaccinated. And you are three to seven times more likely, uh, 3.4 to 3.7 times more likely to, to go to the hospital in a state with lower vaccination rates. So you know, uh, that's that's higher alpha, uh, level trig than I'm used to doing off the top of my head. But but you're talking about uh, a, a, an order of magnitude of danger that you're putting the kids in by comparison to states with high levels of vaccinations and uh, and the kids being vaccinated themselves, the, t- the 12 to the 12 and up. 12 and up, you're 10 times more likely to go to the hospital if you have not been vaccinated and you get COVID. You are 3.4 to 3.7% higher to be hospitalized or to die in a state that's in the lowest quarantine of uh, quarantile of vaccinations. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And so the, you know, um, when Joe Biden says we're in a pandemic of the unvaccinated, that is exactly what he's talking about. And mm-hmm. he is exactly right. And and no amount of horse paste um, from. And by the way, can I just say for the record, like we played that uh, the clip of Alex Jones earlier. And of course, we've talked about Joe Rogan and there. You know, they're adding ivermectin to a huge regimen of other things they're taking. So the idea that ivermectin is what got Joe Rogan out of the woods when he's a healthy dude who works out all the time absolutely would fall into the, you know, the 80-20 percentile of people who get this. And also got NAD, vitamin drip, um, uh, uh, Z-Pak, ivermectin and a monoclonal antibody treatment, literally an IV of monoclonal antibodies, which, by the way, suppress your immune system when you get them for other stuff. So it's always a danger and you always have to do it under a doctor's care. He, he threw, quote unquote, threw the kitchen sink at it. And everybody's saying it's ivermectin. Stop saying that I, he got out of the woods because he took ivermectin. That you're contributing to the problem, news media. He took everything and he's already healthy. And still he was down for days. 
Uh, on the other hand, um, I, we have no idea besides steroids, which I'm sure Alex Jones wishes he could take all the time and give you this inflated sense of self. Um, and ivermectin that that uh, Alex Jones is taking amongst all the other garbage he throws down his gullet in the name of, you know, self-controlled pseudoscientific um, health measures. Um, the Mu variant um, currently B1, B.1.261 um, is the Mu variant. Um, there's been 2,000 cases in the United States so far. It is a variant of interest with all of these. They are keeping an eye on it to see if it uh, breaks. It is part of the breakthrough cases for people who've been vaccinated or if it ma- mainly shows up in people who are unvaccinated. If it varies in depth at all, um, currently, the Global Initiative on Sharing All Influenza Data, uh, GISAID, the largest database of novel coronavirus genome sequences in the world, because every time one comes up, they, they, they sequence the genome and post it so that mRNA vaccines can start being worked on in case it does break out. Or they can be modified, because that's the new technology around mRNAs, is that they can literally using AI, they can go, okay, this needs to target a specific protein directly to this one. Let's make a new one, and we'll send it directly to the area around it, basically creating a circle squeezing the virus out of existence that's what they're hoping to do with you know uh, in in terms of catching these things early so they don't have to immunize the entire world against a variant they can just find where it's broken out and then encircle it basically and then and then lower it, it doesn't spread past that point is the hope right in the future Mu is not an immediate threat right now according to uh um anthony fauci i've heard of him um mm-hmm. But they're keeping a very close eye on it. He says the variant is not at all even close to being dominant as the Delta variant remains the cause of over 99 percent of the cases in the country right now. Um, It is yet to be designated as a variant of interest or concern by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which did not immediately respond to a request for comment by the Washington Post. The California Department of Public Health said in a statement to the Post on Thursday that 348 cases associated with Mu have been reported in the state so far and that it will continue to monitor all variants circulating in the state. There are a bunch of them, by the way. This is just one that is raised enough where there were enough cases of it where they could actually get on, you know, people have been testing positive, and they had the ability to know where it was coming from uh, as far as which variant. Um, but that by no means means that it is the primary one or that it is the worst one or that it is, uh, you know, completely innocuous at this point, that it won't become sort of the new Delta variant as it passes through, or that it might just fade out entirely, as many of the variants do. Variants of diseases like individuals, as uh, um, as George Carlin, of course, would say about human beings, a couple of winners and a whole lot of losers. There's a, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a reason why in particular, diseases have multiple variants. Is because they're trying everything they can to stay alive and and vibrant and carry out, you know, carry on essentially, and they fail a good deal of the time. And thanks to a lot of factors, not even human ones. Sometimes they get into animals, and that's where they peter out. Sometimes they cross over into humans, and the group of humans they cross over into particularly wipe them out. Um, and so the, the, 
the role of human intervention in in these kind of things. Because, by the way, uh, when Cortez brought brought small t- smallpox to the Mayans, um, and you know, there's a reason why Los Angeles, for example, or San Francisco are Spanish names and not uh, in Nahuatl or, you know, Awaxican dialect names or Mayan or Aztec names, even though those would arguably be the people that came up would be native to that area and go up and down. The, the reason is, is because when the Spanish came over, unknowingly, they brought smallpox with them and it wiped out 25 million people, not on purpose, just accidentally. Like, how you doing? Shaking hands. We have an immunity you don't have yet um, because it's been through our system. It hasn't been through yours. Dead. And 25 million people, 23 to 25 million people killed. Well, they obviously came into contact with some people that didn't die. So eventually, the disease itself petered itself out with either the people it was coming in contact with or it didn't reach any more people and it died out that way. There's multiple ways that it stopped, right? That smallpox has spread across the United States, you know, territories ended that what would what North America would effectively be. There's a reason why it petered out. Natural immunity being part of that. But it took 25 million people with it in the process. What we're trying to do with vaccines and modern medicine is stop that having to be the only way we put an end to massive infections. Because we will reach herd immunity naturally when any disease comes around, if we don't do anything. But it will cost us millions of lives for no reason. We can beat these things with modern medicine before they, they turn, before they variant and variant and variant. And, and uh, somebody, uh, Jenny, uh, in the chat room said it stopped with vaccine. It stopped with some people with vaccine, but some of the native tribes in North America that came in contact with these folks didn't end up catching it for whatever reason. And that's what held it back. And by the way, we just hit a thousand folks in, in YouTube alone in our chat room. That's so and, wild. And that's pretty amazing. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, like I said, fastest growing show on the interwebs. Um, in the same way that Schaumburg was at one point the fastest growing city in America, because if you four people live there and eight people move in, <laughs> oh my God, the two hundred percent growth. Um, so, will my Coronas vaccine work against Mu? It's unclear how much protection the vaccines offer against this variant. The Mu variant has a constellation of mutations that indicate potential properties of immune escape. The WHO said in a statement Tuesday, raising concerns that it may be more resistant to coronavirus vaccines than other variants. But this needs to be confirmed by further studies. Now, this will, this is statistical noise, right? And right now, when we're dealing with, with an epidemic like this, a pandemic, there will be so much variant and so much uh, life involved in the science around these things that we get into the danger of what I would call a new study syndrome. I did, for many of you who watch my stand-up, um, I have a big chunk that I was working on before we entered this that I was, you know, I was building as a set, essentially, and it's still there and I'm still working on pieces of it as a stand-up that I would like to do as a whole hour called A New Study. And every time you turn around, there's a new study that changes everything. You know, a, you know, a new study says that chocolate could make you live a, to be 112. And then the next week, a new study says chocolate will murder you in your sleep. You know, every, 
You know what I'm talking about? Like every time yeah, yeah. you turn around, there's a new st- a new study says that that pit viper venom might actually be the cure to COVID. <laughs> you know, a new no. study finds that more people than ever are, are sticking their genitals into pit viper pits trying to avoid getting vaccinated. Like this, these new studies come out all the time. There's a reason why we have peer reviewed journals. There's a reason why you want to wait until multiple studies come out before you start reacting to stuff. Yeah. There is as much a uh, there's as much of a problem in the reporting of scientific studies about single studies as there is about anecdotal. Well, my I had a buddy who ate four deer ticks and he's never had uh, the flu a day in his life. Right. There's. Um, you know the, the and the guy who's eating a Big Mac a day every day of his life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it, yeah. Um, and it turns out that it just turns his blood to basically acid. And while it's destroying his liver um, and giving him pancreatitis over time, it won't. It, it not only can his liver not survive in his own body, but neither can the flu. So, like, I've never caught the flu. <laughs> My body's going to fail when I turn fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. I'm going to you know collapse. Right. But anyways, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Uh, it's the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Now on Instagram, at uh, House Sparks on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, at House Sparks. Also, follow at Johnny Million One, the number one, because he's number one, on, on Twitter as well. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy. I am happy, you are happy. Let us be happy together. Whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny. I am lucky, you are lucky. Let us get lucky together. Whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy. Because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do? And isn't it nice that the sky is so blue? And isn't it nice to say I love you? Chugga, chugga, choo, choo, woo, I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! <laughs> there's, uh, there is some good, um, there's some good news, there's a couple things, uh, I, I mean it's, I usually like the good news to be wholly in and of itself good, you know what I mean, like... Like the the advance in solid state batteries we were talking about last week, which in and of itself will get rid of the need for lithium, even though the primary the early versions of them still use lithium as you know uh, in the um, in sort of the creation of them. They use a lot a, mm-hmm. a lot less, um, but they also are moving towards an area where you wouldn't need any at all, and you would use uh, you know iron ore and make steel or aluminum based ones, which you can actually make in the United States with. Uh, you know, widely available metals that are available, you know, that we have here and stuff, by the way, that you could recycle. <laughs> what, a, what a novel concept. Can you imagine one day that all from all the scrap pulped military vehicles and leftover bombs and stuff that we don't use, that you could actually take that metal and turn it into electric car batteries? Can you, I mean, it would just I mean, can you imagine the flip out Alex Jones will have driving his electric yeah. F-150 with a battery that didn't require uh, any uh, rare earth minerals to be extracted from a war zone or a blood diamond-like arrangement to be made. Um, but there's a, um, Trump is apparently in advance talks to sell his D.C. hotel hmm. because it is uh, it's not doing well. Now we already did. A, I did a story yesterday on my show about the fact that 
um, on the daily show, uh, Hal Sparks Mega Worldwide, which you can watch on infotainmentwars.com. Like and subscribe on YouTube and uh, and on twitch.tv slash Hal Sparks. Uh, I'm getting so much better at that banter. I'm working it out. Yeah. Uh, yes, the old post office, which is a great building and was made a gaudy mess by Trump taking it over. He's uh, former President Trump is in advance talks to sell the rights to his Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. Um, one would think because he has no intention of returning to Washington, D.C. anytime soon, if it's not in cuffs. Um, why it matters. Uh, the removal of Trump's big golden name from Pennsylvania Avenue would be a symbolic bombshell sabered by opponents. The historic building became a prop and a symbol for both sides in the political wars. The hotel was a central setting during his chaotic presidency, with Trump preening at his personal table, supporters and supplicants thronging to the lobby bar and restaurants to curry favor, and, of course, foreign interests buying out entire floors and no one staying in them. That old trick. That old chestnut that Trump's a big fan of. Meanwhile, uh, related to this, I did a story about how a lot of the people um, in his own building in Trump Tower in New York are going bankrupt and behind on rent, including the company that sells Ivanka's shoes, um, apparently has $1.5 million, $1.6 million in unpaid rent at Trump Tower and are declaring bankruptcy so they never have to pay it. Um, And two other main companies uh, uh, that... Um, start were million dollar companies um, in Trump Tower, but now apparently uh, this coat company that like that was very fancy had a like one of those places where you go and you buy a coat and you sit by a wood burning fireplace while they give you brandy and models come out and show you the jacket and all that kind of stuff like crazy rich people stuff has forty five dollars in its checking account and fifteen hundred um, uh, damaged coats in inventory and that's it. That's that's all they have left in their entire setup. It's just... Well, now it turns out that the same fate awaits uh, Trump uh, International Hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, Trump would sell the leasing rights to a real estate developer who in turn would negotiate with hotel companies that would manage the property and rebrand it. Because the Trump name is for crap right now. And... Yeah. Um, by the way, watch for um, mid-level Trump hotels to start popping up all over America in red states that are like extended stay hotels. I mean, you're looking at an era where to salvage its name and its empire, the Trump uh, company starts, A, moving its headquarters to Florida, selling its big, fancy properties, and buying up a bunch of unused holiday inns. That's, wow. that's, that is, if there is a future for the Trump org, and I don't want to give them any advice, that's it. That's what's going to happen. Um, and also, uh, the, the, the Trump, um, the, I, I do think that the, the move variant not jumping vaccines so far is, I think, qualifies as, you know, as good news. Vaccine maker Pfizer, by the way, told the Post in an email that it was setting the move variant and expected to share data soon with a peer-reviewed journal. Hey, there's a good idea. Hmm. Who would have thought? Well, yeah, don't actually. All right. Um, to date, this is the, what they told the the Post, but they're going to Uh, put their findings in a peer-reviewed journal. To date, we are encouraged by both the real-world data and laboratory studies of the vaccine and see no no evidence that the virus or circulating variants of concern 
regularly escape, escape protection. Representatives from other coronavirus manufacturers, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, and AstraZeneca, have yet to reply to requests for comment. And that kind of tells you a little bit, like having been House of Pfizer and not having, I had no secondary effects after my second dose. I had a sight soreness, but no other aspect. I can't tell anybody what to get or what's available. But um, that is overall good news. They are also finding in England that mixing booster shots that people got Johnson and Johnson and then got a Pfizer booster or got Pfizer and got a Johnson and Johnson booster or got Moderna and got a, a Pfizer or a Johnson Johnson booster actually helped with efficacy against the Delta variant as well. Um, in people who are immunosuppressed or compromised, that's a good sign that it doesn't have to be the same thing, that your body doesn't have to upregulate to the to one single dose. That is good news um, overall. Um, um, Park, uh, Paul Cardenas, a professor of infectious disease and genomics at Universidad San Francisco de Quito in Ecuador, has studied Mu and told the Post that the current evidence showed that it was likely more transmissible than the original coronavirus strain, as most are. That's how the variants actually get. Uh, Mu has been able to com- uh, compete gamma and alpha in most of the parts of Ecuador and Colombia. Again, there's a lot of extra factors in that. However, there was no sign that people should be more worried, Cardenas added. People should know that these variants emerge all the time, and it is important that they are characterized in order to be tracked. That's the only reason they're giving them, them these names, right. why, they, why they're attaching these things to them. Do not think that every time a variant appears that this is a worse version of it. And the reason is, and this kind of ties in um, to, uh, and this, you know, I, I'm sure will make some folks, uh, whoops, I accidentally uh, typed into the wrong one. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, I was really doing a search. I wrote in anxiety COVID, and that's not what I meant to do. Sorry about that. Um, uh, because I was looking up a uh, the articles that we found about, um, let's see. Um that uh, there's a relation between whoops uh, between people with outcomes regarding um, uh, who are who have uh, anxiety and how COVID nineteen affects them. That outcomes for people who have anxiety or who have a history of anxiety um, as a comorbidity it is very high. Yeah. Now. I will also say that a lot of people who are obese or overweight often will have anxiety. Now, why do they have anxiety? Exactly the reason I told you before. Compressed diaphragm, bad breathing, um, the inability to breathe into their belly because of the amount of excess fat that they're carrying and, and the inability and the amount of time they spend at work hunched over a desk, leaning over, crunching their body. Sit up straight, breathe deep, Allow that oxygen into yourself, especially if you feel anxious. Will it cure all of it? Of course not. Will it help with it? Absolutely. Any doctor will tell you that deep breaths will will help with your anxiety no matter what. And I had anxiety attacks. I had panic attacks because of the work I was doing on Queer as Folk. After season four, drastic, felt like a heart attack, horrible. Mm. Fixed it with yoga, fixed it with deep breaths. It's possible. 
but and it has to go hand in hand with whatever treatment you're getting from your doctor. We got We're at the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in today. It's the Hal's Bar Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. We're here every Saturday for your listening enjoyment. Over the next week, do me a favor. Do everybody a favor. Sit up straight, breathe deep, smile, and take care of yourself while we tackle the Texas law, the, the, the Joe Mansions of the world, and the difficulties we face. Because we need all of you present, every mental faculty you have. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.